In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Today on the Broads Talk Books with, we've got Araminta Hall, author of two books that I've recommended. Two of them. You recommended her book, Our Kind of Cruelty, in episode number 20. And I read that too. And whoa. So good. So good. I also read Imperfect Women and recommended that in episode 70. It's very rare. It is. Double pick. Double pick. Double pick. And like we found with many of our interviews, the author we admire is a freaking cool person. We got Araminta on Zoom and she told us about her favorite books, past and present, Mm -hmm. crazy fan interactions, and her current hilarious pop culture obsession. We've put all the books Araminta mentions in the show notes so you can add them all to your TBR pile. And now, here's our interview with Araminta Hall. Thinking about books and thinking Mm -hmm. about growing up as a reader, um, did you have a a favorite book or a couple books as a kid or a teen? And, And why do you think they were your favorites? As a kid, um, well, as a young kid, um, obviously picture books and stuff, but um, as a teen, I mean, I the, the first writer I remember really getting into, like, as in wanting to read everything, was Agatha Christie, finally. Um, I know, and I, I, I mean, I can't remember how old I was. I guess I was probably 13, 14. I devoured everything she wrote. <laughs> I, think I, I, I think I remember my dad saying to me at one point, you can read other writers, you know, <laughs> her books will still be there. And I was like, 
But it actually is a bit of a shame because, I mean, obviously I've reread some of them as an adult, but I can't remember, you know, I just remember the pleasure and immersion of reading them, but I don't actually, I didn't. And then, and then I think I, I, I felt the same with the classics. I then moved on to, you know, you know, Charlotte Bronte and Charles Dickens and people like that. And, um, and again, I sort of devoured them, but actually it was only as an adult when I came back and read them again that I actually understood them I think even though mm. I loved them at sort mm-hmm. of 15 16 reading them as a woman you get all the different layers yeah but I mean my favorite book that has stayed with me and I can't remember when I first read it but it must have been around that 15 16 time and I it's the only book I've re- reread like five or six times in my life and that is Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. And Ooh. I absolutely mm. love, I mean, I've read pretty much everything. I think I've read everything Daphne du Maurier has written. But Rebecca is, yeah, for me, it's just, it's like a perfect book. And I, you know, I read it as a teenager and just loved the experience of reading it. And But then every rereading and at different stages in my life, I've seen so much more in it. And I think, you know, I think it's a deeply feminist text. And I think that it's way before its time. And I think it sort of combines everything because it's mm-hmm. a literary triumph. You know, it's an amazing piece of writing, but it's, um, it's also the most fantastic thriller. You know, I think if it was published now, it would absolutely be published as a thriller. Huh. And I think at the mm-hmm. time... I think I'm right in saying it was published as a love story and Daphne du Maurier was furious because it's so far from a love story, of course. (laughs) It was probably one of those, like, she's a woman, she has to be writing a love story. Exactly. And also Mm -hmm. like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, older man falls in love with younger woman. Oh, it must be a love story. It's not, I mean, it's so, so (laughs) not a love story. (laughs) That's terrific. Well, one of the things that we've talked about and we've heard readers talk about a little bit is that maybe early in their reading life, they encountered what was considered a classic. And then they took a little stumble in their reading life because they couldn't relate or they didn't see themselves in it. Do Do you remember the first time you were presented with something that was kind of a struggle that was considered a classic? Yeah, for me, it was Middlemarch, actually, which I think I had to read for A level. If, mm-hmm. if I remember, or maybe I had to read it at university, I can't remember. And I really struggled with it. And I, um, I remember one of my best friends read it. At a, she was, I think it was at university, actually, and we were doing the same degree. And, but she was at a different university. And she, you know, it's her all time favorite book. And I was like, I just can't get into it. I don't get it. But I had to read it. But then interestingly, I reread it about probably about five years ago, because I just thought, I'll, you know, everyone loves Middlemarch and it, I can't believe I don't like it. And I reread it and I did love it, actually. And I think I just wasn't old enough or experienced enough. And I don't yeah. think I understood the, you know, the power of, because, you know, there is a massive love story in that. I don't think I understood that power of, you know, unrequited love and longing and, and you know, and, and, and it's, it, 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 I read it in a completely different way. And I, I do think that is, the problem with classics is we read them too young often. Yes, yes. I mean, my 13-year-old daughter is is studying 1984 at the moment. Mm. And, you know, she's like, 
and I think she's she enjoy she's enjoying it, but it's like she's not getting it. Yeah. And it's like I hope she, you know, I mean, I hope you know we all come back to these as we grow up. And we, you know, yeah, we've talked about that. How much of a disservice it is to a lot of young people when mm. they're they're reading these really thick books that may not have any relevance to them and thinking this is what reading is. So if I don't like this, yeah. then I don't like reading. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, I think that's really true. And I think that's, it's really important, I think, as parents that we encourage our kids to read anything mm -hmm. that they want to read. Like, I think that's the, and in fact, in fact, I think that's the amazing thing that Harry Potter did is that it, in, it opened so many children's eyes to mm -hmm. just how wonderful reading can be and yeah. how immersive. And, you know, I remember when they came out, my son was sort of probably 10 or 11. And he used to just sit and just, you know, read 100 pages at a time. And it, it got him into being an incredible reader. And he's now, you know, he's 21 now. And he's read all, you know, he's read all the classics now and everything. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if he would have being the reader he is without yeah. those books. Yeah. I feel like that book in particular too, I hear so many people talk about what they got out of it and what a wide mm. range of things they all got out of the book from all different walks of life. You know, what a universal thing yeah. that brought so many readers together. That, exactly. You know, yeah. And people yeah. still like classify themselves, don't they? By if they're, you know, like by the houses, the Huffle Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. as you were reading either when you were younger in university, as you got older, were there specific authors or books that you think made you want to be a writer? I don't know. There were so many authors mm -hmm. that I admire. I mean, I, I, th I can't remember a time I didn't want to be a writer, which yeah. sounds really silly, but yeah, I sort of, oh, so cool. I, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I guess my love of it was inspired from just from being, you know, from just being a voracious young reader. Mm -hmm. You know, I was brought up in a house with loads of books and uh, my parents always were passing books on to me and saying, oh, you might like this. And, and I really, I think when I was young as well, I was a really eclectic reader without really even knowing that I was. I just, because I, I think until you get into the industry, you don't really realize there are genres and there are right. things that you should be reading and shouldn't be reading. So I was just as likely to pick up a Jilly Cooper as I was to pick up a Charles Dickens. And mm -hmm you know, love it. And, and then I studied, um, I studied actually English and American literature at university. And I, um, so I, you know, I've read, you know, I, I read so widely and that and everything. And so I don't think I've just always been drawn to really mm -hmm. amazing stories, but I do remember, um, I do remember uh, reading A Prayer for Owen Meany, which is a, mm. a book that I love. Yeah. And, um, there's a little bit in it where his grandmother doesn't let um, anybody sit on the chairs in that, around their dining room table because they're too precious. And my grandmother had that exact same rule. And I was like, I just remember being so struck by that and thinking, oh my God, you can put your own real life into books. Yeah. And, and actually it makes the other, it makes the other part, you know, that's sort of such a way of connecting with people. So for me, that was a real moment, I think, not that made me want to be a writer, because I, I think I already wanted to be a writer, but that made me sort of change my perception of what you could do as a writer. And then, um, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think 
I think the fact that I had this like Agatha Christie phase, you know, when I was like 13, 14, I think it influenced the type of writer that I wanted to be. And then for me, um, reading Patricia Highsmith was a massive thing. And I didn't get to Patricia Highsmith, I don't think, till I was late 20s, bizarrely. I don't know why. But um, the first book I've read of hers was This Sweet Sickness. And I just, from then on, I was just like, oh my God, these are the books that I want to write. I, and, and again, I mean, I, I think it was quite stupid of me, but I almost didn't realise that there was this market. I think I'd been so immersed in classically, you know, classics and the mm-hmm. classic, you know, and, and, you know, university way of teaching books that I was suddenly like, and even though I read contemporary literature as well, it was always sort of, I don't know, it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't like that. And so mm-hmm. once I read Patricia Highsmith, I was like, oh, wow this is what I want to do. That's terrific. When you can finally, first of all, see sort of behind the curtain and see how writers may create some of this. Yeah. And then find someone you can really glom onto. That's terrific. Yeah. Well, shifting a little bit to your reading life now, um, how many books would you say are on your to be read pile? And is there oh a few God. that you could share with us? Much better. I mean, Honestly, yeah. I this just question I feel, is self-serving for sure. I feel continual yeah. guilt, basically, which is so stupid because <laughs> obviously, but I mean, I tell you what, as you know, I feel guilt. I well, no, there's just so many books that I want to read, but mm-hmm. also there are so many books that I get sent and I don't necessarily. Well, I I do want to read them all, but I don't necessarily have time to get to them all before the cutoff date yeah. I've got three at the moment that are I know that if I'm going to give a quote for them I need to do it now sort of thing I think well yeah within the next couple of weeks and I haven't started any of them and I am um, so that's that's sort of like but but you you read some amazing novels like that mm-hmm. you know when publishers send you oh, books yeah. before I mean it's so that's so incredible but um God, when people ask me what I'm reading, I always, I mean, what I've just read. We have this too. It's just like, I can't remember a book's name, like any. I know, I can't remember. No, I can remember what I've just read and I can remember what I'm reading now. But um, I've just read, I've I've just read um, uh, Patricia Lockwood's memoir, um, Pre-Study. I don't know if you know, oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I'm just reading a book that has yet to be published um, called Woman 33 um, at the moment. I just started that. Um, but um, what have I read recently that, oh, my God, I can't believe I can't remember what I've read recently <laughs> that I absolutely love. But um, I feel like I've read loads of really good books recently as well. And I the thing about me is I'm always reading. So mm-hmm. it's a really odd it's it's quite strange that I can't um, remember, but um, one of the best books I read last year or this year is Idaho. I don't know if you've read yes. it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I read that and it was just heartbreaking. Uh, really heartbreaking. I just oh. think it's just so beautiful and so clever and um, that's my sort of top tip. And also, I don't know if, because also the publishing dates are so different in England and America, aren't they? But um, yeah. the... Um, well, no, one book I know that you, you've definitely had published over there is The Vanishing Half, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Erin, that was Yeah. Yeah. Loved absolutely. that, yeah. Oh, God, I loved that book so much. And um, 
and also there's a book here called small pleasures i don't know if you've got it over there yet but um it's by someone called claire chambers that's the same it's like one of those heartbreakingly beautiful novels so yeah that's been that's been my, my past couple of reads but <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about you too but i feel like especially during this very weird weird year everything just sort of blends together that we're reading yeah so, you know and yes. there's, there's a few surprises and there's a few really great standouts but sometimes it's just ugh, it's all the same yeah no i know mm -hmm. that's that is slightly what i feel and i can't remember i have actually started recently um put it i've got like a word document and i just write the net i just write down the uh, books as i read them um and because it just means i can look back and be like oh yeah okay that's what i've read this year but mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's quite good yeah <laughs> Well, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned a few books that you've really liked um, that that you recall here in the in the last little bit. Mm. Um, can you think of a book that just really surprised you? That maybe you know you you didn't expect a certain thing, or you didn't expect it to be much, and then boom. Well, Idaho really surprised me. Actually, yeah. I mean, I, it really did because I, in fact, it was my agent who recommended it to me. She just we were just chatting one day, and she said have you read this book, Idaho? And I was like, no. And um, so I didn't know anything about it. I just bought it and I read it. And I, so I didn't know what the subject matter was. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a shocking subject matter. Yeah. But also I was just, it was just, it's just so beautiful and so beautifully written that, yeah, I'd say, I mean, that book has really stuck with me. And mm -hmm. I that's the book I've given the most. And for me, that's always a sign. Yeah. Like that and The Vanishing Half I've given to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And also, mm -hmm. last year, the book that I gave the most was Three Women, you know, by Lisa Tadeo. Oh, that, I loved that. that. Yeah. Yes. That was great. Yeah. And that surprised me, I think, as yeah. well, because I, was, I wasn't expecting it to be as... Um, sort of novelistic as it is yes. you know, because it's, yeah. it's you know obviously a work of non-fiction and so I was I was surprised by that as well but um mm -hmm. are your um holiday and birthday gifts just all books because if so yeah, we pretty much. that yeah yeah <laughs> I always give books yeah <laughs> yeah it is true we <laughs> well you've You've mentioned that, you know, you get sent books, your agent's giving you book recommendations. Um, where do you normally find your book recommendations and what do you think makes you more likely to pick up a book and read it since you get sent so many? Well, sometimes it's just being intrigued by the story, but I read book reviews as well. And so I'll often be like, oh, I must read that. And then on Twitter or something, you might see people talking about, and actually for me, that's, um, that's more like classic books that I haven't read. Um, I will like see people chatting about it or something. I'll be like, oh my God, I've been meaning to read that book for ages and then I'll buy it and then it'll go on my <laughs> never ending pile of books yep, to be read. Yep. Oh my God, <laughs> exactly. I know. Um, but also my friends. I mean, I've got a lot of friends, you know, all my friends pretty much actually are big readers. And so we'll often, I think that's the way that I've mainly always read books is we'll say to each other, Oh, have you read this? Have you read mm -hmm. that? Uh, you know, and then that's, you know, that's, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's the main way I'd say. That's excellent. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. thinking about um, books that, you know, you recommend between friends, um, Aaron has read both Imperfect Women and Our Kind of Cruelty and recommended them highly to me. So I started reading them as well. Um, and we recommended both in our podcast. I had. Uh, thank you. Yes. And, you know, thinking about. So uh, good. Yeah, you may have, oh, you may have kind of talked through this earlier, but. Do you think there were any particular books or authors that inspired those books or your writing in general? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I'd say, I mean, I'd say, yeah, Patricia Highsmith massively. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I mean, I absolutely adore Margaret Atwood. She's massively, I mean, oh. she's really, really important mm -hmm. to me as a writer. Yeah. Um, and um, Cat's Eyes, obviously, is a book about female friendship, which are kind of, um, which um, Imperfect Women is very much yeah. as well. So I, yeah, I mean, Margaret Atwood has been a huge um, influence on my idea. What I love about Margaret Atwood, and actually also Iris Murdoch as well. Those two, mm -hmm. I mean, those two writers for me are like the perfect fusion of like literary, you know, prowess and brilliance combined with just incredible stories. Because mm -hmm. I... That's, that's what I would like to do as a writer, you know, that's what I'm aiming for, is to try to do both, because I sort of, I sort of, it annoys me how, you know, you're, you're perceived in one or of two camps, you know, you're either like yes. a good writer or an entertaining writer, and yes. I just think it's really, you know, we should be doing both, and those are the books that I love, are the books mm -hmm. that do both, you know, I... I want a great story, but I also want it beautifully written and I want the characters to feel really real to me, but I also want a great plot, you know, it's like, I don't think it's too much to ask for both. And mm -hmm. I think that, and I think loads of writers would do it really well, but I just think it's, I just don't, I hate the way that we're so pigeonholed, you know, and I, I think like writers like Margaret Atwood and um, Iris Murdoch, they, Write, wrote at a time, I mean, I know Margaret Atwood obviously is still writing now, but, you know, they wrote at a time when people were less pigeonholed. I mean, it was yes. much harder for women to get published, mm -hmm. um, but you were sort of allowed to be both, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which yeah. um, mm -hmm. is interesting, I think. Well, and I saw you talk briefly um, on a, a YouTube video where you were in a bookstore and you were mentioning oh, yeah. Handmaid's Tale specifically. Yeah. And everything you said about it rang so true with me because it is one of those books that it's an incredible plot, incredible writing and characters, and also terrifying as hell because it's so, yeah. so relevant. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a terrific. But I saw, I saw an interview with Margaret Atwood actually years ago, and she was asked what genre she thought she wrote in, and she got really angry and was like, I don't, you know, and it's so mm -hmm. true. She's like, you could say anything and she fits into it. So mm -hmm. it's like, so it's sort of pointless. It's like, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but Handmaid's Tale, I think, is a, it's an incredible, I mean, it's just an incredible book. But, I mean, that that's a book I've read more than once as well. <laughs> me, me too. And, and I don't know yeah. about you, but it's one of those that I read way too early. Um, and did, yeah. didn't quite yeah. get everything, yeah. but then have read every few years. Yeah. Each time get mm -hmm. more out of it, but also yeah. get more and more like, oh, shit, here we are again. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. All, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I just, I just wrote an article actually for Crime Reads, you know, over, you know, over there. And it was, it's about exactly that, how it's actually, well, it's actually about how um, 
advertising sort of created this myth of the perfect woman and then how thrillers have been actually like a safe space for sort of going we're not perfect you know we're like you know and thrillers have been doing that for years and but that's basically how I ended the article just by saying the reason we're still writing these stories is because nothing that much has changed you know Mm -hmm. yeah Harvey Weinstein might be in jail but so much is still there's so much still to do and it's like so we are as women we are still writing and consuming the same stories Mm -hmm. and I think that's really, that's so relevant. Like, I, I, it annoys me a little bit when people are like, oh, women always, you know, why do you all, why do you like read, you know, like, I think that's a question people get asked. Like, oh, why do so many women read thrillers? And it's like, because they're, they are challenging these perceptions and mm-hmm. they are asking the questions that we still want to be answered and still aren't being answered. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, you know, it'll hopefully, well, hopefully the questions will be answered at some point, and then we won't need thrillers anymore. <laughs> well, oh, what a world that would be! I'll be yeah. out of a job, but you know, the world will be a better place. So, <laughs> that's one of the things I think I really liked, and Amy and I have talked about with the characters in your book is that I love the idea of a a messy flawed character because yeah. two things can be true. Like they can be messy and flawed and they can also be the victim of something or be dealing with yes. something bigger in society. Like yeah. you don't have to be perfect to be experiencing yeah. these other things. And that exactly. I, both of your books felt like that to me. Like that's what really gripped me in right from the beginning. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's also what some readers find really annoying <laughs> about my books <laughs> because I, you know, I do get, I do get people saying, oh, I just hated the character or, I just, you know, I just, I mean, I got it much more with our kind of cruelty, in fact, mm-hmm. because they, you know, the, they all, they all loved the male character or people, I mean, people who hate it, you know, people who, who found it tricky. Uh-huh. They really sympathized with Mike. The oh, male no. Character. I know. And they were like, Verity is just such a bitch. I can't believe she led him on and all this sort of thing. And I was like, oh. oh, wow, I must be a terrible writer because I meant the exact opposite. <laughs> and it's no, like, no, oh, my God. <laughs> That's well, what that was yeah. brilliant about it. Yeah, because it felt like exactly how it gets played out in the media. Like, oh, there's oh, this gosh. perfect guy that yeah. falls for this bitchy woman. And here we yeah. are. Like, I thought it was brilliantly played because like, it almost yeah. takes you there. And yeah. you catch yourself feeling like you're doing that. And you're like, wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. This is not, yeah. no, that's, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted mm-hmm. to take you almost to the edge of being like, oh, maybe Mike's okay and maybe, you know, all this sort of thing. Yes. But then I was like, oh, maybe I didn't twist it enough at the end. Because, no, I think you know. that's much more indicative of our society where we're going yeah. to yes. blame the women. And oh, I mean, women are always blamed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hilarious. Yes. That that's the reactions you get. Yeah, <laughs> it was quite a strong reaction with our kind of quality. I mean, I, with Imperfect Women, I'm getting it less, but I'm definitely every you know, like when I check my reviews, you know, which I know you shouldn't do, but like you know, there is there's a fair proportion of well, not a fair proportion, but there is there are some reviews that are like. Oh, I hated all the women. They were so moany. And I'm like, oh my God. They've got a lot to moan about. But also, yeah. I'm not sure they're moany. They're just like, they're just seeing the world as it is, you know. <laughs> moany. Yes. Oh Good my Lord. Moany. That's terrible. I've got a lot of that. Oh, they're just really moany. <laughs> 
Well, you have a lot of willpower because I would just be like, read it again. Try <laughs> <laughs> oh, again, you missed it. <laughs> well, uh, we like to ask some kind of some book related, some not book related questions towards the end. Um, and one of the things that we like to know is what is one of your most memorable fan interactions, whether that was me touching weird. God, I don't think I have fans. <laughs> <laughs> I yes, you do. Look at them. We got two right here. Two right yeah, here. Yeah, that's very kind. Um, I've never. <laughs> Like, you know, I've never had anything really weird. Like, and all my time, I mean, in all any reading, anything, I've never, I mean, I do, the only thing I remember is I was doing an event once, I mean, this is years ago. This is like before I wrote our kind of call through this. So, because my first two books weren't published in America, so they were only published in the UK. And I was doing an event on stage and there was an audience and, um, you know, the lights are really bright and you can't see anything. And, I was saying something, I can't remember, I was probably saying something against men, which is, you know, my sort of normally what I'm saying. And some man shouted out from the audience, I really pity your husband. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. Really, really? I pity him because <laughs> there's a... There's some issues with that dude, yeah. I know, I know. Oh. Also, I felt like saying, how presumptuous, I might not have a husband. Exactly. <laughs> I do, actually, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, that, so that's the only time. Other than that, I mean, no, I've, just, I mean, I've, no, I've never had anything, I've never had anything weird, so. Just reviews <laughs> that don't seem to get your book. Well, I do have, I mean, yeah, on all, yeah. Um, you know, every writer on Amazon and Goodreads, you do have that, you know, you, or, you know, I got a review the other, I got a one-star review um, the other day that said, the cover of this book is damaged. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God, that's really annoying. It's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God, I hate I, people I, I sometimes. I thought they were reviewing Amazon instead of me, but, you know, like, oh, God. But yeah, God, that kills me that sometimes people take the time to write that stuff. Like yes. this cover, white star. Like I know. How do, you not, how do you have that kind of time? I know. I I, well, I know. It's bizarre, but you know, oh my God. the world is filled oh with bizarre people. <laughs> well, over your time, you know, as you've published different books, has there been an author um, that you really admired or that you respected that you wanted to meet and then you got to meet? Um. Not that I've got to meet. I mean, I'd love to meet um, Gillian Flynn. <laughs> she's, Ooh, she's, I mean, yeah. she is, I think she's incredible. And she really kindly blurbed on our kind of cruelty, oh. which was amazing. I mean, well, really, that you really, in. You can, you can meet her. Yeah. Like, you well, can, exactly. Yeah. I feel like if I ever do bump into her, I won't look like a crazy fan if I say <laughs> hello. But, um, yeah, no, she's not, but I mean, no, I've never met her, but I, yes, I would love, I would really love to meet her because I just feel like she is so bright and amazing yeah. and incredible. But um, I do know a lot of writers. I'm really lucky that I know, you know, and, and without fail, they're all charming and lovely. I know you sort of hear tales sometimes of, yeah. you know, awful writers who leave bad reviews on other people's but I've never met any you know I, it seems to, the thriller community is really nice and really supportive and 
um yeah i mean i've never i've i've only ever had good experiences mm -hmm. so but it's um always good to hear yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> yes how would you say your uh reading life has changed since you became an author well i think i guess in just the only thing because i've always read so i've always read an awful lot and you know that's always been my sort of one and only hobby is reading um so it, the amount hasn't changed i think it is just being sent proofs you know being mm -hmm. sent arcs so i get to read stuff before it comes out which is great and and it's also really nice i mean because it's so you know, other writers have been really generous to me and supported me before my books have come out. And it's really nice to return the favor or yeah. to, you know, debut writers. And you do sometimes read some incredible um, books, you know, early mm -hmm. and you feel really privileged that you were, you know, you read that first sort of thing. And or, you know, so I, that, that's been that that's been the one change, which is a really positive change. <laughs> that would be so exciting getting, you know, free and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, early books. But at the same time, I can see what you said earlier that like, there's so many, it would get anxious after a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it does. Yeah. It really does. I mean, it gets like, yeah, and there are some writers, like I got sent the new Tana French novel um, a couple Ooh. of months ago. I know it is so good. I mean, it's so brilliant. Ah. That is, you get that through the post, you know, like, okay, that goes straight to the top of the pile. You know, that yeah. did not wait on the pile for very long, you know. So, yeah. 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 Oh, I yeah. love it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I Can't love her that. writing yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thinking about, you know, obviously you're a voracious reader and always have been. Do you think there's a book that everyone should read? Yeah, well, yeah, I think Rebecca. I mean, mm -hmm. I really would go back to that because I think whatever book, whatever genre you like to read in or write in, that book is like a masterclass in it, basically. So, I mean, for me, that's, yeah, that's a book I would always recommend because I just think it's so perfect. It's so perfectly structured, so perfectly plotted. You know, there's a killer twist right at the end. Um, it's a, an incredible character study. It's an incredible study in feeding tension. It's just... And it just has such good characters as well. You know, there isn't, there isn't, I just don't think there's an off note in that book in any mm -hmm. respect. So yeah, I mean, that would be the book that I would, I would say to anybody really. Excellent. I just don't, I don't, I can't imagine not enjoying that book. So I sort of think it's, you know, and I think male or female as well. I don't think, I think it's a really genderless book as well. It's I don't know, like, the man in the audience, he may not have dug <laughs> yeah, it, but you know, not. he I, may I not read. I don't think he read much. I don't though. think he reads, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he does. He doesn't no. read. Sports <laughs> scores, probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um, no, exactly. <laughs> at the end of each episode, we talk about our current pop culture obsessions. Do you have a mm -hmm. current pop culture obsession? Oh my God, I'm going to really embarrass myself now. Um, I have just finished watching, I mean, it's probably really old news wherever, you, where, you know, in America, but I've just, my, in lockdown, my kids got me into selling Sunset. You've probably not even heard oh, of it. No, have it's you? on Netflix, isn't it? It Aaron? is. Yes, yes, it is. yes I it's, have. You betcha. <laughs> oh my God. It's so addictive and horrible and everything is that's wrong. But, um, it's great it's absolutely amazing so um that would be yeah that would be what i <laughs> that would really That's embarrassingly 
<laughs> that's what I've spent lockdown sort of consuming but there's nothing like it like I did like I was asking I did ask on Twitter I was like what do people watch after selling sunset and like <laughs> everybody replied it made me realize everybody was watching it and loads of people said I watch million dollar listing you know New York or like, I didn't like it I watched about three episodes and I was like these people are just like they're beyond horrible so I cannot because yeah. at least the women in Selling Sunset, they're, they're quite charming, you know, even though they're definitely models posing as a state age, you know. But I could forgive them that. I was like, oh, they just, you know, they want a, they want a career, I get that, you know, sort of thing. But um, yeah, the ones in Million Dollar Listing are just so vile. I watched yeah. about three and then I was like, no, I can't do that. So I'm bereft. I want the next season of Selling Sunset to come. <laughs> Aaron, did you have a show hole after watching that? And did you watch anything that got you no, over it? Because I'm such a reality TV buff that it's probably not a good example to go with me because I watch a lot of horrible shows. Like all the housewives for no good reason. Like they're all terrible and I watch all of them. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think we kind of watch that in between stuff. So, it's, you know, I try to make myself feel better and like watch a documentary of it yeah i know yeah you definitely feel a bit unclean after you've watched selling sunset <laughs> but you love it i love it i can't help love it. it yeah completely yeah. i know <laughs> it's great no but i always do that with my kids i'm like i i like walk through the room saying to them oh my god what are you watching it's just trash your brain is gonna fall out your ear and then i sit down and like mm. 10 minutes later i'm like can we watch another Yeah, they must be manipulating you somehow. They're like, I'm going to watch a little bit of this and mom's going to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. It it was so nice to talk to you. So lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for supporting my books. It's really kind. It's great. Listen, your podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Have a good rest of the weekend. Hopefully you can find another show. To get yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that will be my mission. <laughs> that was a joy. It was a joy. We were just talking about how her voice is very soothing, too. It is. It's it was a soothing so voice, and it was a wonderful... We, we talked to her on a Saturday. It was a great way to spend some time on a Saturday. It was. Yeah. It was really great. Yeah. And we mentioned this before, but being able to do this over Zoom it's and so see, cool. It's great. Yeah. It adds a whole other element that I enjoy. Yes. Makes me maybe feel a little too close to the authors. Like, I really know them now, and I really don't, but it makes me feel that we way. We are best friends with all of the people we've talked to, including Araminta Hall. Yes. I love that she tied her desire to write with her love of books mm-hmm. growing up. I think that a lot of the people we've talked to have said this, um, but I think it really shows the power of reading. The fact that if you read a lot as a youngster, you kind of see a way into creating something of your own and you, you know, you learn empathy that way. You learn how to write about people. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I also love that she nailed exactly how I feel about my 
to be read pile mm-hmm. and the continual guilt that's there yes. of when I buy books and then I yeah. read other books and then I buy more books and then I don't read the books I bought mm-hmm. and then I add more yep. and then I add it up in my head. I'm like, I don't have enough years in my yeah. life. Yeah. I, it's, a, it's a constant vicious cycle that I refuse to stop. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think you should remove the addition part of that. Just just stop at talking about the years and thinking about But I get it and I don't know why we put guilt on ourselves. But it was good to hear that Araminta does that as well. Yes, it was. Yes. Um, I like that you know, she talked uh, a few times about the fact that she really likes authors who focus both on writing well and writing a good story, that it can be both. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be literary fiction versus, you know, thriller fiction. Yes. Like it's the power is when you can combine the two um, and that genres is, is kind of dumb sometimes, which I think, you know, reading Our Kind of Cruelty, and I know you read Imperfect Women, I think we would definitely agree that's Absolutely. the case. Yeah. I think that's true of a lot of our picks, that yes. they struggle to fall into a genre, which is even part of the reason we wanted to start a podcast yes. was to bring books out that don't fit in a perfect box and right. are different that you might not normally pick up because you didn't know anything about it. Exactly. And, and maybe not being pushed by publishers as much. Or, yes, or something. Yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit in a neat little place. Those are the best books. Yes, the best books. Yeah. I know that you really related to this because it's yeah. one of your favorite books, but mm-hmm. her love for The Handsmaid's Tale yeah. was... And it was one of those moments where it was like, we are soulmates. Yes. And you, you probably don't know this, but this is what's happening in my head. So <laughs> we are connected now. And she's not going to like when she hears this part. But like, we're we're besties now because we mm-hmm. share that love of Margaret Atwood. And honestly, I think Margaret Atwood is one of those writers that does that. That yes. kind of blurs genre classifications, just oh, writes yeah, amazing point. stories. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, she really likes that book is is one of those, is an example of that. Um, I, I know you kind of liked this as well, that uh, <laughs> it's like some dude at a reading speaks up and says... She'd be a handful for her husband, which, A, buddy, why, why? That may be going on in your head. Why do you say that out loud? Come Mm-mm. on now. Mm-mm. Be a better human being. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just, that killed me, that part. And just talking about reviews in general, it's like, oh my God. she's a much better person than I am because I would just be like, reread the book. Yeah. You're, you're the worst. You clearly didn't get it. Yes, I don't so even many know why you're at this it. event. Oh my God. What are you doing? And when she said that so many people, like especially women, are like, oh, the guy is book great in our kind of cruelty, but the woman is terrible. Like, what? what? Yeah, you got it wrong. Try again. And it's just another reason why we need writers like her yes. and we need more books like her. Because Indeed. if you believe that, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say you're not reading enough. <laughs> so pick up her. You're not up. understanding how yeah. reading works. Exactly. You're not understanding how books work. Mm-hmm. Try again. You should read all of her books clearly. Uh-huh. So um, and we've talked about this too, just about the strangeness of people that feel compelled to write the weirdest things. Uh, you know, the reviews, one example, but also the fact that someone on Amazon gave her a one star review because the book cover was torn. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Separate. Come things. on now. That's a time to compartmentalize. It is. Like, that was not related to the writing in the no. book, clearly. And you don't get how You think Amazon she's packing works. her own books in her office? Like, <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't care. You got a rip cover. I mean, come on. I mean, she did have a nice office from what we she saw. Did. Was, yeah. She also had a great sweater. It looked very I was mention that. cozy. <laughs> She did have a great so sweater on. So cozy. Loved it. Uh, of course, she had my heart when she was talking about her obsession with trash TV, yeah. selling Sunset. Yeah. And I do the same thing where you protest to your kids and like, you should watch something better because mm-hmm. you want to believe that you're a little bit more highbrow. Mm-hmm. But the but reality you're not. is you get you're not. sucked in. Get sucked right and in. You love every second. <laughs> 
every second. I love, too, that when we asked about pop culture obsession, she was very quick to yeah. say exactly what it was. And no shame, no embarrassment, which is no, great. No, You and like I, what you like. She asked me on there, and I, I was struggling to think of a show that she would like, and I, yes. I think that I found it. Ooh. And that would be anything in the Below Deck series would be right up her alley. Because it's similar to Selling Sunset where you're seeing some ridiculous rich people Mm -hmm. at their worst. But you're also seeing some really cool areas. You're seeing mm-hmm. how something works totally different. So it, it is a real, that can that, really suck you in. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, if she hasn't found a show to fill that show hole yet. And there's one with Below Deck Mediterranean with a female captain, Ooh, which is very interesting. Yes. I really like, she's a take no bullshit kind of captain. Mm-hmm. She's very fun to watch. Excellent. So just saying. That's my recommendation to her. I felt bad at the time. I didn't come up with something great. <laughs> I thought about it a lot. Yep, you got it. Here it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Excellent. Well, guess what? We'll be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes. And in the meantime, head on over to our website, broadsandbooks.com. You can check out all of our regular episodes, all of our bonus episodes, listen to some more authors talk about their wonderful trash TV obsessions. Exactly. Yeah. You can find us, you know where, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All the places. We have a website. We have a YouTube channel. We sure do. So we're not hiding. Nope. You can find us. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.